Hello. Welcome to Deep Dive. I'm Jackson Russo. And I'm Adam. Uh, welcome. Uh, this is Deep Dive, where we, uh, every fortnight, choose a uh, band to listen to all of their studio releases. Um, we don't stick too true to that all the time. But it depends, but usually. Mostly. Um, and we listen to all of their studio releases, and this isn't typically a track by track review but it's more of just a general how we felt about it and uh this week uh going on our long adam and i's long tradition of uh bands that we've kind of overlooked but been meaning to listen to uh we are doing the english shoegaze band slow dive um I'm not going to give you the exhaustive explanation of what shoegazing is because we've, we've done, done that. that a couple times actually. Now. Yeah, we've done it on an actual artist episode, and then we've also done it on uh, the My Bloody Valentine mm-hmm. episode. So I think it's kind of nice that uh, you and I are doing another shoegaze band. So yeah, and I think for people who maybe didn't listen to the, those episodes, we're not like super fans about it but we're definitely into it yeah we like um, it but it, it's very base we, level yeah it's not something that we dislike on it obviously so we're not gonna yeah. sit here and rant about this so it's kind of like being um you know saying you like rock music and your favorite bands are like um led zeppelin and acdc and yeah. stuff like that like the big bands yeah we're, so we're that's trying to get an intro are. to it because we're not super familiar yeah. With the genre. So. so if you're not familiar with Shoegaze, some of the bigger bands are um, My Bloody Valentine, Primal Scream, Ride, and then also Slow Dive is also one that I've heard a lot. One of the big ones, yeah. Um, but we'll kind of get into that. Uh, they formed uh, in Reading, Berkshire, England. So it's an English band. Um, and slow dive is all one word by the way i mean you'll be able to see that but they named themselves after the Susie and the banshees song slow dive of the same name apparently a large um the singer um neil or what's his last name uh nah yeah neil neil halstead is more of a he grew up with like uh classical music and So that was his pop music. So they kind of all refer to Neil as like, he's the lead singer and songwriter. Uh, so he kind of is the outlier in the band where, you know, when they're the rest of the band at the time when they formed was super into um, stuff like The Cure, Susie and the Banshees, all that kind of goth rock at the time. So that's, uh, there was kind of that contrast of like he's laying down these really weird chord progressions and kind of orchestral type things where the rest of the band is just super into goth which i think kind of makes sense when you're talking about shoegaze mm-hmm. um so the band formed uh i'm not 100 percent how their lineup uh kind of fluctuated but if i'm not mistaken i think it was the core five there are five people in the band currently and uh those five people are nick chaplin rachel goswell neil Halstead, christian saville seville and simon scott and i think those are all the yeah uh, everybody current yeah and i think that's kind of the core members throughout the 
studio releases. And uh, but the two big names that I mean I'll be talking about are Rachel Goswell and Neil Halstead, who are both the singers in the band. So it just kind of singer. They're both the songwriters in the band. Right. So that's who I'll be talking about. But they formed in 1989. Uh, and I get only a band for six years. Yeah, 1989 to 1995. And I'll go kind of get into it. Uh, I already sent Adam before we started this a uh, little documentary that uh, Pitchfork. I forgot to watch that. I didn't expect you to watch okay. that. It's like an hour long documentary. We'll link to it though. Yeah of pitchfork uh they make these great videos pitchfork does you know i have a real love-hate relationship with yeah, I was pitchfork. Gonna say, it was weird that you sent me that considering you hate them okay so pitchfork reviews reviews is yeah. what's an issue their news is on par with any other music uh news site like rolling stone or consequence of sound but they make these really great videos, like the history of a genre. Yeah, they have these no, they great... produce really good like documentaries. Oh yeah, and they're all on YouTube for free, so that's also great. So they did one where they kind of just talked about uh, slow dive for an hour. Um, so I'll be referencing that, and I believe Adam will put it in the show notes, so you mm-hmm. could also watch it for yourself. Uh, but that's where I got a lot of my stuff because, funnily enough, other than that video, there's not a ton. I mean, there's some interviews but there's not a ton of uh, substance within, you know, Wikipedia or any kind of sources like that. I mean, there's the normal amount, but nothing uh, too descript, but that video helped me a lot. So we'll start with their uh, debut record, Just For A Day, which came out in 1991, which they formed in 1989, so we're already shaving off some years there. Um, So apparently... Yeah, they did put out a bunch of EPs before this, Yeah, my understanding, so... Yeah, so apparently... They, um, a little bit more history and then we can talk about the album. Uh, they released or they opened up for a band and I forget what the band is, but when they opened up for this band, uh, there was a bunch of label executives then it was that era where label people would be there. Uh, but Alan McGee was there and Alan McGee is the founder of creation records. And if you don't know who creation records is, let me go back and reiterate some bands. I just said my buddy Valentine was on it. Primal scream ride. And in the future, uh Oh, Oasis was on it. So they had some huge bands. Um, and there were this huge record label that just in England at the time, uh, was obviously at the forefront of shoegaze. And then when Britpop came out, they had the biggest Britpop band in the world. Uh, so Alan McGee was there, and they he just basically said, oh, you guys are great. Uh, come on in and basically talked with them and said, hey, I want to sign you guys. And they said, yeah, we have an album ready to record. And he said, cool, let's get you in the studio. They did not have any songs uh, written. They lied to him. And so they got into the studio and recorded this album, the their debut, just for a day. So now we can talk about it. Um, what are your overall thoughts on it? So I thought it was a pretty slow album. Um, not in a bad way, just mm-hmm. the, the way the album kind of played out. Um, I didn't have any specific songs on almost any of these, actually, that stood out specifically or individually um most of the songs seem uh, uh you know i i always associate like the the pop formula of uh song length is typically like three to yeah. three and a half minutes almost all of these except for one 
go well above that. You have six minutes, four minutes, five mm-hmm. minutes, that. So you're yeah, hovering around that. I mean, it's also more of a, it lends itself more to listening to it as a full album. I would agree. Yeah, it, it feels very. Um, Especially this kind of genre in general, really. Yeah, it so. feels very soundscapey at yeah. times. But that being said, there are still songs yeah. within that. Um, yeah, but I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I yeah. felt that it was kind of, a, felt like a product of the 80s in some ways. Yeah. Like, it's very clear, like, of the time it was made. Yeah, so, right after that, so the first song on it, Spanish Air, is the only song on the album that I don't like. Okay. I'm not saying I love all the other songs, but that is the only song that I don't like. like. I actively don't like it, though, yeah. And it's not that I, like, hate it. It just, it never clicks for me, and there was never anything that really grabs me about it. It just kind of, it felt very, I don't know, droney, in yeah. a sense. But, uh... So immediately hearing that, I I hadn't heard a single slow dive uh, song or record before this. Uh, I had heard at least one of their EPs, but I don't remember which one. Yeah, and it's not in my library anymore, so I don't know which one it was. But so other than knowing that they were a shoegaze band, mm-hmm. uh, I really had no idea what to expect. So when I heard this first song, I was very very nervous that these these were going to be long albums for me. But you know. I do think that this album, I do like this album. I don't think it's their best album, but I do like it. So it gets into uh, the second song is called Celia's Dream, which has a really pretty vocal melody and it's super catchy. And then uh, the song right after that, Catch the Breeze, has a super, super cool uh, guitar ending, like build. And then you have a song like Ballad of Sister Sue. And also it's good to note that these... um, a lot of these songs, they are either both Neil and Rachel singing at the same time or trading off vocal duties. Mm-hmm. So it'll be her song or it'll be his song or they'll share it. And that, you know, that does, that seems to be such a shoegaze thing, which is, I'm curious how that came about. Well, like, it, I, Yeah, and all of this is, it sounds, in it obviously is the same genre, but it sounds very similar yeah two other shoegaze that i've heard at least yeah i do like the uh the song uh eric's song which is this really instrumental uh guitar work that just sounds like this huge soundscape i think my favorite song on the album is waves uh i like the album um but there's not much to say about it other than like you know as i couldn't tell that the songs were written prior i didn't i don't think that hampered it what what do you mean like before they got yeah before they got into the studio because some yeah, that's, that's yeah when you talk about debut records a lot of bands will have been working on them they there's that old that classic saying of uh you know you have 20 plus years to write your first album mm-hmm. and only two to write your second because once you have that first album out it's like okay you need that next one like we want to hear the next thing so it doesn't feel like an album that got written like immediately it does feel thought out so yeah but nice. they had they had put out three eps right before this that's fair um which we did not listen to. right but i wonder if that factors in to how it feels like they yeah you know, like what you're saying like yeah that's a good point i don't know if that factors in at all because i know i was looking at some of the reviews of this first album and people were talking about it in the context of they've already put out three eps and they're all really great and now they're doing this yeah so. uh so 
it is. I know that's different compared to most of the bands that we've talked about on here, where we've talked about their first album and that was the first thing that they've recorded and released. So. Yeah. So they, um, if you don't know this about, uh, I don't think it, it. It's not this way anymore. But at the time, and we're talking about the '80s and the '90s in the UK, uh, music journalists had a huge say. They were the tastemakers. I don't feel that way anymore. I think Pitchfork tries to be the tastemakers. Oh, but they definitely are for some genres. And for some people, they really buy into that. Uh, you know, I've talked with Andy before, and Andy has told me, like, uh, I've said, oh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of such and such artists. And he said, oh, well, they're Pitchfork verified. Right. She's like, that is just I mean, that stupid. sounds like a joke, but also I know that's definitely a thing that people do, like, believe. Oh, for sure. I think look up yeah yeah so I mean it's the same thing with people talking about movies and only you know considering movies that have like a high Rotten Tomato score like that's not the be all of whether something is a good thing agreed so they had uh, music journalists in this era in England had a huge say in what was what and so whenever this came out it kind of got like a pan saying like oh you're just trying to sound like my bloody Valentine this is just another generic uh, no creativity uh, shoegaze record. So it got kind of dragged through the mud. Which, that's weird to me because it's like, it's in the same genre, obviously, but it's not the same. Yeah, and well now... And that's like, well, but like even even then, like other bands tried yeah. to, you know, be like, you know, Led Zeppelin or something, and it's like, yeah, that's how that works though. So Yeah, and for reference, Slow Dive did come out after all these big bands. Yeah. So it, that's what those... Uh, music journalists are trying to say but that it's it's not the same but you know they were getting kind of dragged through the mud so uh but the label still believed in them alan mcgee himself was like i really like shoot or i really like slow dive Mm -hmm. so i believe in them and uh so it it got just panned uh now people look back at it uh, positively but it the and you'll see throughout this band's career, they just kind of get like they're on bad timing when it comes to uh, yeah. releasing music. So yeah, that's why they're like one of those like yeah, they're cult kind of kind of bands. Is yeah, that they weren't. I guess I'm not going to say they weren't popular at the time, but they were not as revered. Well, they weren't the as popular uh, as most people yeah. think that they were. Yeah, considering their like uh, almost like oversized impact on the genre. Yeah. So uh, we can move on to the next record. Yeah. Uh, two years later in 1993. Yeah, you get to say this one. Suvlaki. It's easy to so say. You, you looked it up. Okay. Yeah. Well, in that video, they talk about okay. it quite a bit. There you go, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this came out in 1993. All right. More history. I like that I know all this stuff. It feels good to actually be able to talk about something and not read off of a Wikipedia article. Uh, so... Uh, I didn't mention this before, but Neil and Rachel, uh, the two singers, had been dating up until this point. Before this record and between the, uh, their first and second record, they split. Uh, but they both decided, you know, they loved the band too much and that they saw them as separate things and were not going to let that break up the band. But obviously, there were issues. So uh, that a lot of this album can come across that way if you know that uh what was going on so you know everyone in the band was obviously aware with it 
aware of it because mm-hmm. they toured together. They all went to dinner together on tour, all that kind of stuff. They were obviously aware of it. So while working on this uh, album, uh, Creation Records apparently was very much one of those like nurture the songwriters type management where they were like, oh, we need to take care of whoever is the songwriter and the rest of the band is not the primary focus. So they obviously saw this uh, bad thing happening between these two. And uh, they basically told Neil, hey, go rent a house out in like the middle of nowhere, like in the woods and for like two weeks and just get away. Like you just need to go out there. So Mm. he did that and he went out there and he wrote a ton of these songs. So that's where a lot of the emotion of this album came from. Uh, Suvlaki is a bad title, uh, I would say. Yeah. I don't like it. It was named after after some sketch uh, that I read them explain the sketch, and it didn't make sense to me, and I didn't find it funny. Uh, yeah. But uh, apparently they asked Brian Eno to uh, produce the record. Okay. And Brian Eno said, no. They said, who are you? No, that's not what he did, but he said, no, what I will do is give you two days. Like, I will work with you for two days. Okay. So he worked with them, and uh, he plays uh, guitar, or sorry, he plays... So, I mean, so they wanted to have him produce it, I assume? Yeah, the whole record. Yeah. And, well, so what initially he said, oh, yeah, or he was interested, and then he... And, uh, so they got really excited, and then they ended up finding out. He's yeah. like, oh, no, I won't but I will give you two days. So he ended up giving them two days and he wrote the song sing with them. And I think he plays piano on two tracks. Uh, yeah, he plays keyboards and treatments, whatever treatments means on sing and here she comes. So that's pretty cool that they got Brian, Eno yeah. on there. I, I, I guess that they really had, it's crazy. They, that well, first album didn't go well for them. And like, they have like such a backing from their uh, studio. Yeah. Well, and I mean, they had, I mean, that first album had, did exist. So like if he, you know, if he was a fan, he could go listen to it and find yeah. out that he liked it, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. I do think it's interesting. I didn't know that he was involved with this one because the next album has very clear influences to me from him. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's cool. Uh, for this album, I think that does come across though, because it is more atmospheric. Yes. And, uh, it, personally to me it's enjoyable more than the first album so yeah i do like this one way more and this seems to be their big album yeah i think this is the quote-unquote classic it is yes so. so uh the first song allison is their most catchy song hands down no other song we're ever gonna talk about is as catchy as that one yeah so they, they tend to not have catchy songs yeah so. and that's not a bad thing no that's fine yeah yeah I mean, I would argue that a lot of Radiohead is not catchy, but I love that band. Yeah. So, um, Allison is the first song on the album, and apparently it was like one of the last song that they wrote and recorded. And whenever they uh, finished that, they kind of said, like, the producers, like, that's it. We're done. No more. Like, don't come with more songs. That, that song was it. You mm-hmm. nailed it. So, this is a solid 10 tracks. Uh, out, uh, the songs get a little shorter, which I don't think is a bad thing. It, it kind of cuts, trims the fat. It's a 40-minute record. Uh, that's a nice tight 40. It doesn't feel like it, it, it drags on too much. Uh, much like the last record, I think there's only one song on this album that I just didn't pan out for me. Um, which one was that? Suvlaki Space Station. Okay. And uh, there's the, a reason the why. the longest song on here. 
Yeah, so this is an instance where I wish I hadn't read about the song prior to hearing it. Because what I read is apparently Neil, the primary songwriter, was super into Aphex Twin. And that that really influenced that song. And so I think I would have liked this song if I hadn't heard that. I like Aphex Twin a lot. He's one of the few DJs that I can really get into. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I kind of had this expectation of like, oh, what is this going to sound like? And then I heard it. I was like, ooh, yeah, this sounds like when somebody's like, ooh, I want to sound like Aphex Twin. And then it's just like, nah, that didn't work out. It's not bad. It's just knowing that it's trying to be something that it's not. It didn't work for me. So not a bad song, but still. Um, But I, I... there's not any terrible songs on the record. I like the song Allison, Machine Gun, Here She Comes, and When the Sun Hits. Those are all really good songs. The album ends on a really kind of melancholic uh, acoustic mm-hmm. uh, song called Dagger. And if you listen to that one, and uh, you should listen to it again, Adam, with the knowledge of that, that that was one of the songs he wrote while in that cabin. In the cabin. In oh, okay. the, like just alone for two weeks Hmm. so uh and apparently uh neil brought that to the band and it was very much a like oh i have this acoustic song and the band was like whoa we don't do acoustic songs what do you mean he's like no 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 just believe me and it panned out well i think i i don't know why a lot of bands do this but a lot of artists seem to end on uh acoustic or not acoustic but like slow songs these slow yeah. drop draw well, out i think it's weird it stands out more when it's a band who doesn't normally do that obviously yeah for um, sure like uh daft punk's last album probably forever um <laughs> that last album has like that hidden bonus track at the end which is an acoustic thing which is weird yeah and kind of comes out of nowhere too so. it, it's not shocking when a there's a bon Iver song that in or a bon Iver album that ends on an acoustic song yeah, that doesn't that's not me. shocking at yeah. all but yeah, I, uh, that's a good point. Is there anything that stood out to you on this one? Not individual songs. I don't have any individual songs on any of these actually, other than the, the very last album. So. Yeah, as you said, uh, to I, me, it's much more of a listen to the whole thing as an album. Yeah, and I'm just really, really bad at paying attention to song names. Even yeah, you know, like if I'm doing, if I'm listening to something on my computer, it'll show up in the right corner and say what I'm what the new track is but i hardly ever notice it so. i do think the previous record just for a day is one that is just kind of like it, it benefits more from start to finish there aren't really too many standouts yeah on this album i do think if you're the type of person who likes to you'll maybe you'll listen to an album all the way through but you like to pick and choose your favorites i think this one lends itself a lot better to that but yeah it definitely does because they're they do stand alone more than yeah yeah so they released that album, and uh, once again, it did not go so well. Commercially. Uh, yeah, so they apparently, you know, I, I just explained they had all this turmoil, and then, like, they got through it, and they're like, we're really proud of this. People are going to love this. This is our chance to show, like, hey, we're not just some My Bloody Valentine clone. And so they released it. It got panned. And uh, not too long after... Um, Create uh, Oasis signed a creation and Britpop started coming up, lad mm-hmm. culture, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so it really seems like Slow Dive 
their career is just a perfect example of um, being on the wrong side of musical history, unfortunately. Well, like, especially they're just considering... too early, too soon, whatever. Too soon. Or, uh, yeah. sorry, too late too, in this. Too late or maybe too soon because they, they yeah. could be doing this in, you know, the early 2000s and maybe had a different response as well. Yeah, maybe. But, but yeah, it is weird because they're considered such an important band in the genre that they never had commercial success at the time yeah so so it didn't go super well for them which obviously was a bummer to them but two years later in 1995 they did release a third album and i just yeah, want to go all these are two years apart yeah um but that's all they did really in that time span so i want to go ahead and before we start this one make the bold prediction that you really like this album i did because this album is super cinematic it feels like it could just be a score. Yeah. So as it, soon as it, I heard this, I was like, oh, Adam's going to love this. It's also, it's, it feels more like experimental. Yeah. And it's definitely a weirder album. Um, and like I said on the last one, it's much closer to the like work of Brian Eno, like especially the ambient series that he did. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that kind of thing. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No surprise I did like it. But I guess he wasn't involved with the production of this album. No, he was not. Which makes that more interesting because they obviously wanted him for the last one. Uh, so that is interesting to me that that could have turned out differently. And or so maybe they would have gotten to this sound a little bit earlier. Yeah, and when I say cinematic, I don't mean like, oh, there's a shoegaze song and then it has some cinematic parts. Like, this is a very, like, just atmospheric album. Yeah. I could see this being played in, like, a therapist's office while you're waiting to go in to talk to your therapist. Like, it's very, like, just kind of calming. Yeah. There's no driving force. There's nothing. There's no melodies to sing along to. Nothing like that. And it kind of makes sense when you uh, know about um, Neil having that background with classical music and not really knowing much pop music until mm-hmm. he was an adult listening to this you're like that kind of makes sense this is probably what someone like that would make um and also the first uh track on here is 10 minutes long yeah which just lends itself more to the this is one giant album thing it's not any individual songs that that kind of form yeah this album is just shy of uh 50 minutes Mm -hmm. so it's long Uh, i don't think that's too long but it is longer um that's short for a score which this is um there are really only two standout songs to me. Uh, I think the song Blue Skied and Clear is the most catchy song on the album, and it is the second to last song. Mm-hmm. So, like, that song, it, it's really, if you were to say, like, oh, I want to listen to just one song on this album, it's probably that one. The rest, they just kind of need to be together. Uh, but then I also really like the song Crazy For You, which has a pretty cool guitar. The, the guitar work on this is really cool. I think it is pretty consistently good on all of their stuff, actually. Agreed. Like it, yeah. it stands out, uh, you know, above everything else, which is makes sense again for the genre and everything. But I think with this one dropping a lot of the effects uh, and being really hidden, because yeah. guitar work and shoegaze is very, you know, just washy in a good way. But by doing that, you really see what they're actually doing, and like, there's no hidden there's no bells and whistles on this album it is very much like here is some instrumentals so uh i I knew that you're gonna really like this one whether or not it's your favorite one i'm curious we'll find that out but uh it's a good album uh i feel really bad for the drummer 
because there's very yeah. little percussion on this album. There is some, but I feel bad for him. Um, yeah. Anything else on this I think one? it's worth noting that uh, at least the reviews listed here, uh, they're pretty split. Yeah. A lot of people really like this album. Uh, somebody gave it a 5 out of 5, and then there's yeah. another one that's 5 out of 10. So yeah. I, it seems like it would be a divisive album, especially if you like the last album. Yeah. Um, which is clearly like on the like progression to here, but it's not at this kind of point. So This kind of... For me, an album like this kind of gets into that kind of like MGMT. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Style. And um, what I mean by that is like MGMT released that first record that everyone was like, oh, this is amazing. It's so catchy. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, that indie synth pop type yeah. thing. And then their next album was just completely different and experimental, but you could tell it's what they wanted to make. And every album after that has just been obvious that MGMT makes it on their terms. And this album, very much to me, and there, I have no, no evidence to back this up other than like that gut feeling and knowing what I know about the band's history, mm-hmm. that this album is very much a like, you know what, people are just not liking us. We're gonna, I'm gonna write and record what I want without the limitations of like, oh, is this catchy? That kind of thing. That may not be true, but it could be. Yeah. Um, but the band got dropped after this creation ended up dropping them and uh, the band ended up, they disbanded. Uh, but I found out that apparently multiple of the members uh, of the band after like, um, they, after Slow Dive disbanded, uh, started a, uh, a, kind of country rock alt country folk band called the Mojave three. That's not what I expected. Yeah. So, and so that's very, very different. Yeah. So Neil and Rachel are also in that. So basically it was like, yeah, slow dive disbanded. But according to them, when they talk about Mojave three and why they ended up doing that is they were saying like, Oh, we started writing this kind of folk music and alt country and it just didn't feel right putting Slow Dive's name on that. So I mean also you got dropped by your label label, yeah. so you don't have to Of course commit to using that name either. Like yeah. you so, can go do it as another thing. In a way they they broke up but in a way they didn't not all the uh band members went to that but i think it's like three of the five people did yeah so a majority so uh yeah it's more like they put uh the band on like pause for a while yeah I mean, well they were while, broken I mean, up for like 20 years almost. For, i was gonna say for a while i mean almost two decades but. yeah yeah i think it's like exactly 19 years but they got back together in 2014 and uh i i would like to happily say they are still together um not all the bands we do are that way. Yeah, a lot of them come back and do one like reunion album and then they break up again because it was a you know yeah probably a money grab. So apparently, but, when they got back together, they they just had like a handful of London shows and weren't really sure what to expect, and it went well. And so then they just kind of toured and played some festivals for a couple years and just realized like, oh shit, people really like us. Like it was the exact opposite. I guess those two decades gave that was them enough that time, time people did. Yeah, appreciate uh, yeah. their music more, and I mean, by that point, they had become one of those influential bands in the genre. So. Yeah, and I guess they just hadn't realized that or noticed. Well, if they were doing their other stuff, then that makes sense why they wouldn't notice. Yeah, you know? and uh, all the members of the band did a ton of stuff. Like Neil, the singer, also did a ton of like just right. Yeah, it wasn't like they were coasting stuff. on like royalties from this because it wasn't a commercial no. success. So yeah, so 
they got back together in 2014, and what do you know? In 2017, they release another record. This is the, uh, I don't want to say final record. This is the last record, the most recent record yeah, they've released. It, it is self-titled, though, which leads me to think that it might be the last one. Yeah, possible. Um, but that being said, so this was released yeah. on Dead Oceans. By the time that they released this, uh, Creation Records had gone uh, belly up. So yeah, so they won. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that they have any hard feelings towards. Yeah. No, it makes sense to drop a band that's not selling yeah it's a business and that's how it works yeah they give them three records and like it sounds like they like just nurtured them them. yeah they give them a lot more than most labels would have probably a lot of musicians apparently would drop into their sessions to slow dive sessions and would be like hey where's the a A and r guy and they're like oh we don't have one and they're like wait what you don't have that and there was all this like kind of stuff that they're like yeah for some reason creation records just gave slow dive complete Hmm. autonomy like they were just saying, like, well, maybe that's why they went out of business. Was yeah. they did that to all their other bands too? Apparently, they didn't. But oh, yeah, well, so that interesting. So self-titled record, Slow Dive. Yeah. Uh, this came out in 2017. Hands down, easily my favorite record. This album blew me out of the water. I completely agree. It uh, is. This is like fucking insane compared to a lot of the other like return, like reunion album things that we've had. Uh, most of them are not very good. It doesn't feel uh, ham-fisted or great. anything. No, this one doesn't feel like any time passed. It's so really. good. I was just shocked. I had heard that this album was good. Yeah. But so it was like hyped up a lot when it was coming out. Yeah, whenever I listen to it, like it just it keeps going. It's so yeah. good. It, it's a 45. Well, it, it feels really similar yeah, to their other albums, but it doesn't feel... as better production quality. Yeah, it doesn't feel... Um, it doesn't feel like a like cash grab kind of thing. Like it's not like no. they're just doing like, well, let's do the same thing again, guys. Like, and apparently, whenever they uh, got back together, and well, they had done the shows, but yeah. apparently, whenever they got together to write, when they started writing and doing some recording, they didn't have a label behind them. They didn't even tell any. Like they didn't tell any. Honestly, they probably don't need to at this point. Well, and the reason they did is because they're like, oh, we're not sure how this is gonna go. So if it doesn't go well, we don't want. Uh, basically, they were saying they like, oh, like on the hook for they they said that they wanted to be able to pretend like it didn't happen. Right. That if if it wasn't working, to pretend like it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, that that's kind of cool. So they did it, and they said they started uh, realizing, oh, this is working out really well. So then they got a label behind them. Yeah. So they did end up releasing it on a label, and uh, yeah, this album is great. I don't think there's a single bad song on it. The sound is just like yeah, nothing, super refined. Nothing on this album stood out as being like, oh, they could have cut that or it doesn't fit. Like everything feels like it should be there. Yeah, it it was uh, produced by Neil Halstead. So I guess, you know, that's another thing. They they produced the record. So yeah. um, it, it it's only eight songs uh, and it goes back to that format of pretty long songs. The yeah, last but I think, I think that eight. works better for them. I, I agree for so. sure. Um it's just there's not a bad song on this album, but I would say that uh, there are, uh, if I'm going to have to suggest any songs, uh, this, there are kind of the middle three tracks, Don't Know Why, Sugar for the Pill, and Everyone Knows. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Uh, well, uh, actually, yeah, 
I meant uh, Sugar for the Pill, Everyone Knows, and No Longer Making Time. Okay. Those are my favorite yeah. three songs. Those are just like exceptional songs. The opening track is also super catchy. Uh, it has these really good um, uh, effects on the vocal that took a second to grow on me when I first heard them, and I was kind of like, oh, that's weird. I don't, I'm not sure if I like that. And then I really got into them because I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. And that's one thing I really like about shoegaze is there's so much happening that the voice becomes more of an instrument than a storytelling, uh, you know, medium, which I really like. That's super creative and yeah, really hard to do. I, yeah, I thought the, that first song was really good. Started off to a good start. I was like, almost seven minutes long. Uh, the last song I is the only one I like really took a note of. Um, it kind of reminds me of the national. Yeah. And, uh, I just thought that was surprising because I didn't expect that. But uh, that last song is really great as well. So yeah. this, this album opens and closes on really good notes. So Got a ton of uh, critical acclaim. Uh, oh, I would hope so. I only yeah. saw one bad review, and it was from Anthony Fantano. He fucking hated it. But I don't give a shit. I like Anthony Fantano a lot, but you don't have to agree with reviewers. Yeah. That's okay. Um, but, and yeah, like you can disagree with us. Apparently there's a Japanese bonus track edition. I did not listen to that. I did not either. It was really hard to find the original releases of those other albums, though. Yeah. I must say. Yeah. Um, they're all the reissues oh, yeah, at this point. Oh, yeah, they have like 30 songs yeah. on them. I hate yeah, that. It was That's awful. too much. Like uh, that. That's for the f- person who's the already super, a fan. Yeah, super fans, which is fine. But you should still have the other, like the classic, yeah, release out there. Whenever but, we did Beastie Boys, that was an issue for me because I was getting like these well, sixty-song albums. It was also an issue that like some of their albums had like twenty songs anyway. So I thought like, oh, there's too many songs on here. Yeah, but, no, <laughs> that was it. Um, yeah, I think this ended. Like, I not saying I don't want them to release another album. But if no, they didn't, if they did, I'd listen to it for sure. Yeah, but if they never released another album, this is a perfect end yep. to their recording career. They're still playing shows. They're doing all that kind of stuff. Apparently, Rachel Goswell has super bad. Uh, she lost a lot of hearing in one of her ears. Like mm. is like completely deaf in one ear, and by uh, like that that messed with her motor skills. So the Mojave Three had to break up okay and stop playing shows because she couldn't play because she couldn't stand i think it took her like a year to Hmm. be able to walk again like she was having really big like without uh that's kind of scary yeah i think it was it it was from like some like infection she got in like something like that but like basically like lost a ton of hearing which is crazy to think like that she lost hearing and her motor skills just went shot yeah yeah but band still a band they still play shows I, w- I watched some live videos and they're pretty great. I think um, uh, they would be really cool to see live too. I think this is one of those like, I don't know if this is shitty to say, but I think this is one of those bands that's just like so perfect for a festival. Like I could just see them on the evening slot to a massive field with these like extremely ambient guitar, like long yeah. delays that just go throughout the field. I could see that. I yeah. could really, uh, a band that like, I could go to a live show and I don't have to be able to see them perfectly and I would still love it. That yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. But also I would definitely go see them at like bomb factory or anything like that. Like they'd be great. Yeah. If they way. are going to go on like an actual uh, tour, I don't know if that's a thing they me neither would want to do. I'm not sure yeah. how much Rachel's uh, hearing loss condition uh, affects her ability to play anymore. Yeah. But I know immediately when it happened, she said like, I can't, Tour. right i yeah. can't play shows for the time being but uh 
So yeah, if you I would definitely, listen to them. Yeah, I would definitely say that uh, I really enjoyed Slow Dive. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the album... I'd never said that third album's name. It's uh, Pigmalion? 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 Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it is, but that is definitely the slowest of all the dives. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we've listened to two Shooting Ace bands now, and I hate to do this, but if you had to pick between My Bloody Valentine and Slow Dive, which one? I think I would pick Slow Dive because I like these I last so two albums a lot, and the third album is really good too. Or the yeah. second album, I mean, is really good, too. So. I can pick these songs out way better than I can pick out uh, My Bloody Valentine I just think songs. the album stood out more. Like, My Bloody Valentine was like, yeah, we listened to it, but like it's, yeah. it didn't stick with me. Yeah, and but the, the, they also, are none different. Of, none of those albums are, for their albums at least, are not ones that I was thinking like, oh, I might buy this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I definitely thought I might buy this most recent album. Yeah, I, so. I, I've already looked up like, oh, where can I get the? Yeah. I'm going to go to the record store. I'm trying to stop purchasing records online. Unless it's from the artist, but that's like, good. I'm gonna go to a record. So you're trying to stop using Amazon? Yeah, I actually am. I you, have, you have an Amazon doorbell, though. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm not <laughs> saying I never used Amazon. Okay. I'm saying for you know. No, that makes sense. Ethical though. reasons. Yeah, yeah. I am trying to stop using Amazon entirely. Yeah. Or unless I absolutely need to. Which well, and there's also yeah. problems if ordering records from Amazon. They're just like we're just gonna slap a label on the front and hope it gets there. Yeah. I've had that happen a couple times. and I haven't had any issues, but yeah, yeah, I have so. seen. But that's a discussion for another day. Yep. Amazon, stop I think, killing though, if our you, environment. Uh, if you want to yeah. check out Slow Dive, definitely listen to their most recent album, their self-titled album. Easily, yeah. Uh, I, that's I, a very good entry to them, I think. Yeah, so. I would say go to that album, then probably Suvlaki. Yeah. Uh, and then if you're just enjoying it overall, you should probably listen to their first album. And I would save the instrumental album for last unless you really are a fan of scores. Not because it's bad, but it's just because I think that's not an album for everyone. Yeah, I think if you really like um, the second album's like direction in the more ambient kind of soundscape stuff, then go to that. Yeah. But it does depend on if that's the kind of music you like, and you probably know if you like that music at this point. But easily so. listen to their... Uh, Definitely listen most, to their self-titled. Their self-titled yeah. and then Suvlaki. Yeah. Uh, Slow Dive gets a certified fresh from me good job slow dive yeah we're, that, they, that's what they were after was the rating on a podcast they've never heard of but remember just because it's a po- positive 100 uh, percent does not mean that everyone says it's a perfect slow dive okay mm-hmm. that just means no perfect slow dives that 100 percent of the reviewers gave it a positive review which is what 60 percent plus 70 percent plus it's weird. Yeah. Just remember, doesn't mean that they're a perfect slow dive. Just a very good one. So what are we listening to next? Yeah, so uh, we're coming up on the end of the year. We've been doing this for a year now. And yeah, basically the whole year. Uh, yeah. We've done most of the episodes. Yeah. Megan and Dave have done a couple. Yeah, throwing shade there. Yeah, I mean, we've done, done a lot of work. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to make them do a lot more work with us on this next one. Yes, we have decided to do a special end of the year episode. A super episode. Yeah, it is going to be, we are going to do the complete uh, career of Jack White. And by that, we don't mean we're doing Jack White's three solo records. We don't mean we're doing Jack White's uh, solo three records. records. and the White Stripes. Yeah, we don't mean that we're doing the solo records, White Stripes, and the Rock on Tours. We mean that we're doing... Uh, Everything that we can get our hands on. 
everything we're doing. As his far band, as full albums. Uh, the band he was in for a short stint, The Go. Yeah, so I have it. Sorry, I have it written down okay. here. Um, we're going to listen to his three solo albums. Uh, the one album by The Go that he was on. Um, if I can find it, we're going to listen to The Bricks, which yeah. was another band that he did before uh, The White Stripes. Um, the Upholsterers never put it on an album, but they have three songs. Yeah, Might right. as well check that out. Get our hands on those. They're not easy to find. They're not easy to find, but I already have some. Cool. Um, and then we're going to listen to the albums by The White Stripes, their whole full studio discography. Uh, the three albums by the Rack on Tours, including their new album, and the three albums by the Dead Weather, who probably have an album coming out soon, I would imagine. Wouldn't be shocked. But it won't be this time this year. So I don't believe we're doing the Beyonce song. Uh, I don't think we're, we're not going to do individual songs. Yeah, that that that's where because so here's the thing about Jack White. So uh, disclaimer: he, has, he does feature on a lot of stuff. Yeah, disclaimer before we uh, you know commit to all this. Like we are committing to everything we just said, but there are uh, he has released a lot of one-off songs, and it's hard to really track that down because he's so prolific. And uh, well, and he releases a lot of things on just like seven inches and stuff because so. even locally uh we were talking about possibly going to this but uh the baseball team the texas rangers they had a vinyl night and the yeah. first 1500 people there got an exclusive uh like six inch or seven inch vinyl yeah seven of, inch uh, of jack white of doing a, like the the fucking like baseball song yeah well and called, then also it was a it was a b-side from his yeah. most recent solo record that isn't being released any other way yeah right there's a bunch of weird obscure stuff like that we're so, not going to touch and he's on released that. uh like uh like little four tracks that he's recorded when he was a kid like uh yeah acoustic stuff like we just can't possibly find all that stuff so well, we're doing yeah, he, the did, studio uh, he did a bunch of eps for different like movies and stuff because he tried to be an actor for a yeah. while and that kind what of what was thing, that uh, civil war cold mountain cold mountain yeah, yeah. Which that's fine, but we're not gonna we're not gonna listen to that. So yeah, but so we're doing the the big stuff, and especially for the older bands, the you know the studio album like that one from the Go, like it's a studio album that had him on it. Uh, It actually just got restored, um, and like he remastered it as well for their like twentieth anniversary. Yeah, but hey, came out so we'll save that. We'll get all into the details. We're doing a complete comprehensive take of Jack White's whole career in a Um, very long episode. Yeah, and will it all sound the same? Or are there subtleties to his uh, nuances to Jack White's artistry? Who knows? But you'll have to listen to our uh, complete Jack White episode. Or episodes? Depends we'll see. how it goes. We're not committing. It, but I mean, if we sit here and record all day for eight hours, we'll probably cut it in half. Yeah, we're going to... Um, we'll see descent into madness i think no matter what we're going to record it all at once yeah we're probably going to regret doing this many things but let's see I how think it that's goes. gonna be fun so, okay yeah. yeah so that's what we're doing as a you know oh, and also i guess it's worth mentioning we're doing this just in case i didn't say it we're doing this one with hagan and dave as well so there'll be four of us talking yes. about jack white uh two positive ones and then probably two Adam negatives and jackson yeah <laughs> so uh thank you very much for listening to deep dive uh also, you know, you can always reach out to us. We're on Instagram uh, Don't under the name Don't Feed the Artists, all that kind of yeah, stuff. at DFTA Podcast. You can email us. Thanks for listening. This has been Slow Dive. Uh, it's been the slowest of dives, and we really appreciate you. Make sure to listen to that self-titled record. Here's probably a song from it. Here we are. Here we are.